0: Hi, I'm Nikki Felbert. I'm a filmmaker and continuous seeker of life's truth and natural magic. And here's where I get to share amazing interviews and findings with you, from people that have followed a calling and have a wealth of knowledge to share. Please subscribe, rate and share The Nixipod Show with people you think will enjoy or benefit from it. Gabriel, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you about altcoins and this new way of economics, it seems. so Gabriel Magni has an engineering degree, um, a Bachelor of Science, B Common Accounts and Information Systems and Economics and Computer Science. You've got so many degrees. Um, and then I'd love to to start off with the two software companies that, that were so successful for you. Hmm.
1: So yeah, the first business really was re- un- unusually successful because... We came with such a different approach so we decided that retirement seemed like a sensible thing at the age of 36 so <laughs> we pretty much um gave the company to our staff and went off and traveled and yeah and more following i guess the other side of, of my life which is the deeper spiritual side you know, I lived in ashrams and monasteries and um, I'd been part of like hippie communities and running trance parties even while I had had the business and we'd really, I mean we were funky we were different like I mean all my staff like we would go into sweat lodges together and yeah you know, I mean I don't know if it's good on your program but I mean we were doing like going on mushroom journeys together and you know, going away for long weekends and going into those deep journey spaces. So we were already doing some quite different stuff in our business, um, but the call to go deeper into spirituality was big for me. So I spent the next it four years.
0: Well. Did you did you all go on this journey together?
1: Yeah, yeah. In the in the company, all of us went in. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, it was quite radical because we had a very diverse group of people. You know, so we'd have people come to the like mushroom journeys who were really very strong Christians and they wouldn't take any mushrooms, but they would come to the journey and sit and be part of, even though they weren't taking any substances or taking any plant medicine. So it was a little bit of a, for me, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, beautiful. So,
0: and, and amazing cool that they were
1: open to that. Yeah.
0: How did all of this change your views doing going deeper into self and and working this way with a team of people that you're creating mm. a business with?
1: Yeah. I mean that, that had that had always been the big interest. And in that team, I got that sense of what it what happens when I guess a group of people really learn to care and love for each other. Um yeah, I'm still friends with those guys today. We still yeah, we still remember those times in that funny little caravan on the far end of the plant with our own little coffee machine and you know, and just the rituals that we set up. Somehow the team that came together could all drop into deep connection. And that's been kind of, after having that experience, I couldn't really easily settle into the, the way normally it happens in companies where most people are somewhat disengaged or very disengaged and kind of the boss is is like being an asshole to get everyone to work and um so there's that set me on this search for finding new ways to bring people together and new ways for people to create together
0: What I find interesting as well is um, when in your travels, you stayed in some eco-villages and your experiences there where it seems like such a great idea um, but it didn't always work out. Can you tell me a bit more about that?
1: communities are, you know, this endless attraction. I think most of us that are looking for new ways are deeply attracted to communities. I mean, since the 60s, you know, communities have flourished and then disappeared and flourished and disappeared. You know, they're so insanely hard to align the people in them In when there's no direction, there's no leader, there's no authoritarian structures. And then how do you align the people in the community without the authority? And obviously, the people you want in the community are the type of people who don't want an authority so like with all the best intents they usually fall apart and it's usually lands it up being interpersonal political like maneuvering that destroys the community so yeah i lived in my uh, communities in brazil and you know in south africa as well um i mean our community kind of got destroyed by a fire but it it had its set of strife in the like that political realm before that. And I mean, we kind of knew it and we were looking for how do we solve it? Like bartering, we didn't want money, but bartering was difficult and just nothing, you see trading and we tr- were trying all different ways, but nothing really seemed to replace this thing called money, that the fiat money system um and when and that Fiat money system just was always a strain, because I mean, I was lucky that by that time I didn't need to earn money um because I was living off of off of the rental in, from our properties, but for other people in the community it it's a survival issue, yeah like they need to they, they need to get enough resources to live, and yeah, I think it's exceptionally hard for a westerner to go back and live the way a pygmy lives. I mean, we can do it for some months, but to live at that very basic level where you have like maybe two pieces of clothing, two different you know,
2: yeah.
1: items of clothing and that's, and you eat more or less the same food every day. And yeah, and if there's no food today, you eat the bare minimum that there is and tomorrow is another day and there'll be food. It, it's like a that. very different life. Look, I've lived with the Pygmies. It's it's an incredibly beautiful life, but it's hard to change from a Western perspective to that. It's like we try every time I, I was in a community that tried that, we would try for some period of time. And it, yeah, at some point you like need to educate your children and you decide that they should go to school. Or you need someone need to them. buy an education system. Or, yeah. Or you just want to buy an education system that you can homeschool them with. But yeah. that all costs money. Yeah? Or they need clothes or they get sick and you go, shit, okay, I'm not actually that good with my child just dying because I can't afford the medicines. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to go back to where the pygmies would do what they can. And if the child dies, the child dies. Yeah, you know, it's the way life is. I don't think we can really do it. So yeah, yeah. Those stresses eventually hit the the systems, and then people start to pull out, or they start to try to work out how to get money, and then you land up back in the same extractive systems that we were all trying to avoid.
0: And so, do you think that cryptocurrencies could be an actual solution to to changing the way we live um, now and kind of getting closer to 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 the pygmy, pygmy somewhere in between
1: yeah i mean i don't yeah you know, i don't think it's i don't think it's about you know going back to be being where the pygmies are i mean just in in terms of a evolutionary perspective like um yeah you know, you've got a society that stays together because it's it's in the second chakra yeah so you've got the tribal security, which is really where the pygmies would be. They've got this incredible cohesion, mm. but it's through a tribal system, and they're bound into their tribal system. Like I don't think I would like to be a, a pygmy who steps far away from the norms of the tribe. Mm. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you. It's not going to be a good survival strategy. Right. So when we step into the solar plexus and we start to become individuals and then like that tribal system that holds us together doesn't really work anymore but we're now in a bit of a no-man's land because we've got this individuality but we don't feel safe in a system we don't feel the connection we don't feel the humanity yeah yeah so i think that's the evolution we've been through And so the next evolution for me is really the evolution up into the heart. Like how do we stay together and connect with each other as fully expressive individuals in our own capacity? And how do we have systems that allow us to fully express ourselves while still serving the whole? Yes. And through a place of abundance instead of like the the more say tribal, connections which are really uh, you're together because you need to be together, like if that tribe falls apart, like it's actually the survival of the individuals out play as well yeah yes. they they work together because they need to work together, whereas I'm really seeing cryptos as more the going the next ways where people come together and collaborate and create together because they choose to
2: yeah
1: yeah. Sorry? I mean, there's a lot of information in hanging out with all of these tribes, and yeah, uh, you know, being in a barter economy, living in the Amazon for six months where there was no money, but they weren't hunter gatherers; they were agricultural economy, and and so you had some hunters, but most people grew things. But you still had to exchange the goods and keep track. And you know, people were making ayahuasca, and then you know they would get food in exchange for ayahuasca. So. You had a more barter economy going on than the Pygmies, which was more more like survival pre-barter, I would say. Nice. Um, but yeah, also the barter economy is also quite a codependent economy. Yes. So I'm really seeing it as this movement from codependency to independence, which we've explored wildly for the last few thousand years. Yeah? Yeah. And we've seen the negative consequences as well as the positives. Um, I mean, I I don't think I would like to go back to living in a tribal codependent structure, whether that's in a tribal codependent marriage or family group or any of that stuff. I mean, most of us, like us on this path, have spent a lot of our lives breaking ourselves out of the family structures that we were born into. (laughs) So I don't want to go back in. but But then there's a hollow, and that's more what I'm seeing, this capacity... To relate and create together from a place that feels good and nourishes my creativity instead of a a needy a needy codependent place
2: right
0: so I I call
1: that interdependence
0: yes nourishing the self that nourishes the whole as well
1: yeah 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 Yeah. I think um David data was the first person I ever came across who called that the interdependence
2: yeah
0: yeah and how does cryptocurrency come into that for you how um yeah. and is it something that just anyone can get into because you have a coding um very scientific uh, background um i am definitely not in that in that wave space mm. I'm, I'm more artistic um does it mean that that you are playing this game with coders and it excludes everyone else or how does it work
1: Okay, so two good questions. Every major change in the way organizations work in the last 30 years has come out of the technological space. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard for us to imagine, you know, the way Microsoft says today, but they were radical in their day, like Bill Gates arriving in chinos and sneakers to board meetings freaked the shit out of people. Now today in work, that's like, nobody thinks of that as radical. You know, they were the first guys to have like cafeterias on the campus so that they had campuses and gardens and trees. And I mean, if you've ever been to the Microsoft campus, it's actually quite beautiful. Um, so in five years, that whole culture changed because of Microsoft I mean Microsoft proved that it's not necessary. Yeah. And then obviously, I mean, we know Google and how much impact google and their 20 percent time and their wild workplaces that impact of that had on the bigger culture of people realizing you didn't have to control people as deeply as you did the culture of what's possible is really usually defined at the leading edge of software development technology
0: so you're comparing the cryptocurrencies um, to a computer, the computer culture. In the beginning, it's a few people that are growing it. Um, and then as peop- more people start to understand it, um, more people can start using this thing that, that can help the individual and the collective at the same time.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's genius in that it's, um, it's sucking large numbers of people in to learn it. Yeah. Whereas the computer tech, we were being sucked in just because of excitement. Yeah. yeah you're sucking in large numbers of people in who are putting a lot of energy into a trying to learn it, but also b how to make it more understandable because the gains that are being made are just abnormal. You know, like, I mean, really like you can't make the type of money, in the stock market or anything else at the moment that you can make in crypto. So- Where do we start? Where, well, I mean, um, so maybe we answer the first part of your question first and before we go into where we start. So why I think what's going on is really, really important. So just, you know, we've gone through the background that I think technology always leads the next innovation in society. We've seen it again and again and again. And and I think that, you know, by its nature, it is a little difficult. So it is a little bit inaccessible, but it's not that inaccessible that the average person can't figure it out if they take the time and attention to put it in. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. We've got, on our Telegram group, we've got a lot of people entering. And part of what I do is help them enter the space in a way that is as easy as possible. Because, I mean, I know even as a technologist, me entering the space was tough. Yeah. So we we try to help that, that on-ramp, on-ramp. But um, so just to put that aside, it is accessible. It is difficult. Okay. Can
2: anyone run your are you telling
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. it's an open. It's a public telegram group. Yeah, right.
0: Then we'll put. Yeah. the
1: link. Uh, we can. The we can pop a link in. Yeah. Great. Yeah, but then yeah. yeah, there's layers. Like, yeah, maybe you just get involved in Bitcoin. I mean, that's yeah. Maybe you just buy Bitcoin. Like, yeah, you know, Bitcoin's still going to do a five x. Will most likely be doing a five x this year. I mean, that is still unreasonable gains for most people. Five times. Yeah. It's gaining five. I mean. Yeah, the, the highest probability. I mean, we can't know everything and black swan events can happen. But the modeling of stock to flow and all the logistics and the fundamentals of Bitcoin really point to, you know, at sort of $200,000 Bitcoin by the end of this year, early next year. I mean, we don't know how long the bull run's going to run. And we don't know. Yeah, we, those are unpredictables. Yeah. But the models are fairly reliable and have been fairly fairly reliable for the last three bull runs so we have a ball mark, ballpark figure that you know, you're going to be 150k 400k somewhere in that bullpark bitcoin by the end of the year yes. early next year so there's still unreasonable gains to be made just by registering on an exchange and buying some bitcoin
0: right and but
1: so if you really
0: just to yeah? interrupt by by bull runs you mean when it's when it goes up exponentially
1: yeah 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 the bull yeah the bull is the bear is the drop attacks this way
0: yes. pulls things
1: down and the bull attacks this way with the horns going up yeah so that's where bull run and bear market come from so yeah basically it's when when it goes like that um and yeah bitcoin has this reliable that's where you know anybody can get educated on this stuff like this is anyone with an interest but yeah you, know, you have this halving event, which every four years, the supply of Bitcoin halves, and that creates a supply squeeze. Um, the value of a store of value is based on its scarcity. So when you halve the supply, the scarcity increases. You know, so a valuable item that is scarce, like a piece of land next to the sea, if it's the only piece of land next to the sea like that it's much more valuable than if there's thousands yeah right or right. pieces of land to choose from and with so bitcoin, that's what basically happens
0: yeah and so with yeah? bitcoin when the amount of bitcoin runs out that people can actually buy um there's still a lot of bitcoin in the pool for people to work with so every
1: four years bitcoin halves the f- the flow the new bitcoin and then bitcoin suddenly becomes a lot more valuable As a as a thing to store money in,
0: as a commodity. Okay, and so you don't as a commodity. Yeah, you don't have to mine Bitcoin to 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 buy it. You can just buy it.
1: You just buy it. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I say. So the easy entry is somebody just starts of buying Bitcoin, but I would never say just buy it without knowing. Like, you you really want to go down the rabbit hole of understanding what this thing is, because. Yeah, we have the saying that the weak hands get flushed. Yeah, which basically means the people who have bought Bitcoin just because they think it's a clever thing to do, but they haven't really understood what they're doing. Like they've just bought it because their friend told them to buy it. Yeah, the price goes up. They think they're geniuses. And then the price does a 30, 40% dump and they panic and they sell. Yeah and the people who don't do that make the money and the people who do do that lose money
2: yeah
1: so anybody who has bought and held bitcoin has never lost money yeah because we're the price is higher than it's ever been yeah but the people who buy and then sell can lose huge amounts of money And i mean the number of people i speak to who bought at some sort of a peak because everyone told them how much money they'd make and then they sold at the bottom of 2018, and they lost like 70% of their money is legend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you bought then and you knew and you understood what you were doing and you held, then you, in mm-hmm. today, you're smiling. Yeah. You bought incredibly cheap Bitcoin.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Four years ago, you're like, wow, I got it so cheap. And if you bought it eight years ago, even cheaper.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's for me. But yeah, if you prepare to educate yourself, then. Then Bitcoin's an easy place to start and you're gonna get really good gains.
0: And is there anyone that you yeah. suggest for people to um, to follow or listen to, apart from yourself, um about
1: RaulPow Rao Powell from Real Vision, um Pomp, Pump from Pop Podcasts. They're really good like macro guys, yeah. They're really good at communicating what Bitcoin is to people that are maybe entering the space new, that are a little bit new to economics, a little bit new to all that stuff. If you go through their podcast and you look at their, what they have to say, Michael Saylor is incredible. Um, yeah, he's he's also, very, and then you just find what your variation is. Yeah? Michael Saylor, if you're more of a technologist business person, Ralph is more like a macroeconomics investor guy, and then Pomp is more like an average Joe, really smart. Um, Yeah, and I'm sure there are others, but those three have been very influential for me in the journey.
0: Thank you. And if you are looking at buying other altcoins, other cryptocurrencies, um, maybe um, Charles Hoskinson, um, because he has, a, I think, a daily um, podcast. Mm. Um, Yeah. And what, what are your views between um, the Cardano and the, the Polkadot, yeah. um, which are the altcoins? Some of the, some of the yeah. well, upcoming ones.
1: Some, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a difficult, difficult question in some ways. I, I've got to, I mean, it's a point where I kind of have to just move to my intuition, yeah? Like, on a technical perspective, hard to really evaluate Kadana um, because there's not enough there for me to play with yet so I've gone deep down that rabbit hole Um, so I've really based it on the fact that I've run my own software projects for so long and I've coached so many startups and I used to coach like some of the top dev teams in, in South Africa um in in my previous life so uh, there's a sense that i get when a project is buzzing and a sense that i get when it's not right okay so yeah and this gets into, into stuff that I. so when i feel into ethereum i feel like something that's confused and not really able to move with any speed okay and i can go into technically why that's true when I go into something like Cardano, I see for what I feel for me is the error of a good engineer trying to write perfect software, which typically does not work. Like software is a highly malleable, highly changeable thing. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit different in blockchain than in the rest of the world. But typically in the normal software world, we had a graph that we'd look at and it just took the success of your project based on the number of months from when you started writing the code to when you delivered, okay? And if you had got to 18 months and you hadn't yet started delivering, the probability of success was less than 1%. Interesting. Okay. Because, you know, software isn't just the software. It's the, it's a learning mechanism. Like if we treat software as software, and technology, from, for me, we lose what it actually is. Software is an, an intelligent, adaptive learning, self-organizing system. If you include the humans who are writing the code and the humans who are using it. Yeah? Yes. Okay, if you exclude them, it's a bunch of lines of code that do something. But it can't be excluded because it's this evolving system. The people writing the code are learning all the time. They're learning what this thing actually does. And the people using it are learning all the time. And those learnings that are happening between those two groups of people are being embedded in the code.
0: Right.
1: Okay. Yeah. And so if you if you design it from a puristic perspective up front, what you've done is you've designed it from your own perspective without the learning and the feedback so when i take kadana you know ethereum has gone the one way which is throw a lot of code out fast and fail fast mm-hmm. which is a pro approach i much prefer
0: right Fa- fail and, on, the, on the code you mean because it's obviously doing quite well right now
1: yeah yeah but yeah i mean it's on one sense it's doing well in the other sense it's failing badly, yeah? But yeah, it's like, it's like make mistakes and, and trust in your capacity to fix the mistakes. Cardano's gone the other way, which is like engineer everything to be this perfectly engineered system and don't go live until it's this beautiful, perfect, pristine thing. My experience in software says that does not work. In blockchain, it might work. I, like Who knows? It's a new world. But for my taste, I have no attraction to that. Polkadot for me has this balance between the two. Yeah. They've got a huge community of people, very open, very easy to get into. They got like more than three hundred projects already building on Polkadot. So very accessible, lots of life going on. Most of the really big coin issuances this year that have done amazingly well have been on the Polkadot ecosystem, even though it's not live yet. So yeah, like Bridge Mutual doing like a 40 times from launch to where it is today. Uh, like these types they're all Polkadot projects. So there's an energy in Polkadot where a lot of projects are coming there. A lot of Ethereum projects are porting to Polkadot. So mm. they're not not that they're leaving Ethereum. They're just porting so that they have a foot in both, on both sides. Yeah. So when I feel the energy in Polkadot, it attracts me. Like for my frequency, my love, my resonance, I love it. And then when I look at the architecture and the design and that, I love that. And But mostly what I love is when Gavin Wood speaks about it and the team speaks about it in that they starting off going, this is not a technology. What we're really developing here is an entirely new way, possibility for organizing humans. And I had come to that realization with Ethereum, even though I was being highly frustrated by many of the shortfalls that are in Ethereum today, I was coming, like I was realizing that what we were in is this incredible capacity to actually reinvent the way that people come together and coordinate their economic activity. And not just in small groups, but across the entire ecosystem. So obviously when I find a project where that is the stated purpose of the project, and then everything in the project is designed to do that. Yeah. Not solve technical problems, but solve the human problems of how do people create this new way of organizing humanity. Um, you know, for me that's like it's a full yes Yeah.
0: And not just a new so way, I'm a, it's a, a sustainable way.
1: It's a it's a radically new sustainable way. Yeah. And, and to be fair
0: sustainable if if you can give this it started a- in
1: Ethereum. Okay. So Sorry. Yeah, no, no, perfect. So I mean this I started realizing this in Ethereum, so like there's a part of me that, like I mean, I just kind of said there's a lot of me that doesn't like Ethereum, because it's got a lot of things that don't work very well. But Ethereum created the the possibility of us thinking about a whole new way of doing it. And without Ethereum, I don't think either Cardano or Dot would be in existence today, because both their founders were part of Ethereum anyway. So
2: yeah.
1: Um. So. Yeah. What What you have is like. Imagine if you could have a team of people. Like, let's say you producing that that video with Dean, right?
2: Yes.
1: And one of your challenges with producing that video would be something like, how do you get people to become involved in your project and contribute, and how do you reward them for the contribution?
2: Yes.
1: Our traditional way of doing that is with fiat money.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: So. You say, okay, well, yeah, I'll pay you this much and you do this work for me and I'll pay you per hour or maybe I'll pay And you get into these chunky ways that don't necessarily align the person who's helping you do the work with the success of the project, okay? And don't necessarily enhance the way that you collaborate. Now imagine if you could create a tokenomics model, which when something like, okay, the people who are early contributors to this space earn The tokens in your ecosystem, yeah, which would be your greater ecosystem, not just this movie. I mean, you could design it just for this movie as well, but you could design it for all the movies you ever produce as well. You, you yeah, but you can play now and you can say, okay, well, maybe I'll give you some fiat currency because you need to live, but most of what you earn is going to be the tokens in this system. Okay. So now, and now you can start to really tweak it. You can go, and while the people who get into watching your movie early, you can also drop those tokens on them because those people have value. You know, the, yeah. the ones who come to your movie early and tell other people about it. You're, you're, in fact, your movie won't succeed without them. Yeah. You know, and the people who blog about it, the people who write about it, the people, you could find tokenomics ways of rewarding all of those people yeah and dean for his stuff and you could even say you know some of it goes back to the tribal people where the knowledge comes from i mean i know Creator mutua was involved in communicating a lot of that knowledge with dean De preen. so like maybe it goes back to those ancestries and and you could design a tokenomic model where those tokens are distributed in in a certain way oh
0: my gosh okay? i'm excited i love this way
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then yeah your project succeeds and you start to maybe people have to to watch your movie i mean if you were in a fully into a crypto ecosystem you would say okay to watch my movie you have to buy these tokens yeah okay so you have to buy the tokens they have to pay these tokens to watch the movie yeah and if you really love the movie you can even buy more tokens and hold them because you think this movie is going to be such a success that the demand for these tokens is going to go sky high. And I love the movie so much that holding these tokens is going to bring economic value to me in the future. Right. Okay. Which is really like, you know, you kind of mixing a bit of multi-level marketing almost into it because now I hold the tokens in your movie. I'm incentivized indirectly to market your movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So
2: that's
1: that's how that would work. And you could have internally any structure you wanted. Yeah? You could have a totally hierarchical structure where you're the boss and everybody listens to you and you direct it. No problem. Or you could try a more organic structure or you could play with any mix of those that you want within your little capsule. Now, if I'm doing something separate here and I've got my own little tokenomics with our little group and we're, you know, helping new ideas come to fruition and, you know, linking investors up with early startup ideas and we develop our own tokenomics around that. Okay. And now you and I collaborate, I could be giving you some of the tokens in my project. You could be giving me some of the tokens in your project. Um, you know, but let's say one of the people on my project, I recommend your movie to, and I say, really watch it. And that person's been earning tokens in my project. Right yeah in the project that we've started so in this project now he's been owning we're calling them new tokens at the moment yeah
2: yeah
1: your own unicorn yeah right so I your know, own unicorn can you
0: explain the unicorn the idea of the unicorn ah. those that don't know
1: well i mean we started off with channeling unicorns just because we really loved the idea we loved the way it sounded and then looking deeper it was like okay well unicorns are startups that go to one billion dollars. Yeah. That's that's that definition of unicorn. But yeah, also I mean unicorns are these mystical creatures who like disappear if you're too noisy. You have to be really quiet internally for them to arrive at you. You have to be vibrating at their essence and then they come to you. If you try hunt for them they disappear. So it also incorporates the entire ethos of, of what we're wanting, which is not this chasing after the next coin versus how do we incorporate, how do we bring ourselves into the type of resonance where the unicorns start to come to us? So where we we land up with the unicorns that are most attractive to us being in our field, birthing in our field, being nurtured in our field. So more like creating a nurturing safe space for unicorn ideas to be birthed rather than hunting unicorns. So it's a mixture of like the mythical side of unicorns and the very real name that unicorns are are one billion dollar startups.
0: So for you, as an example, then um, Polkadot or Dot would be um, one of those unicorns that you have got involved in and are helping to birth and growing with you.
1: Well, I mean, Polkadot for me would be the place Polkadot for me would be the bigger birthing place where we would be birthing ourselves into. Yeah. yeah. So, Polkadot for me is the big So, if you take now, look, so you've got your little project, you've got my little project. Yes. And mostly the people earning, say, in this little project here in channeling unicorns are, are earning use, right? And they want to now watch your movie. They have to exchange the use for whatever your
0: Origins. ancient
1: site coin origins yeah for yeah origins consciousness coin yeah so they exchange then they buy the origins consciousness coin and now they can watch your movie so in some ways you've developed a bartering system yeah yeah but you've it's a bartering system that is because like if your movie becomes incredibly successful your coins become a lot more valuable and if mine is not yet that successful, then the use that this guy's earning are uh, become worth less and less of yours because yours has more value. Yeah, you know? and the same if the other happens. So you've got this continually adjusting bartering system based on where people find their value at the moment. So you've got you start to get a a bigger ecosystem where these things interact that allows this continual balancing, like we see in nature. You know? Like some seasons, these flowers bloom. And they, you know, later in the season, those flowers bloom. Later in the season, those flowers. Some seasons that are exceptionally rainfall, rainy, these bloom. Another season where it's drier, those bloom. So you, you've got this system that is continually adapting to the environment and to what is wanted. And it's been adapted through each system having its own tokenomics.
0: Wow. Now, how like
1: two systems, it's exactly like nature. I mean, that's why, like, that's why when I got into it, I was being blown away at saying, like, you are know, spending this time really studying regenerative agriculture and how to regenerate soil and how to create healthy soil. And, you know, I mean, you know this stuff probably better than I do, but you're getting the bacteria and the fungi and getting the soil healthy so that the plants just grow, you know. It's not like you don't force the plant to try grow. You don't add the fertiliser to make the plant grow as quickly as possible. You just keep making the soil really healthy and the right plants grow at the right time. Um, and, and then understanding how these plants work together to create a really healthy ecosystem so that all of them flourish. Okay. Yes. And, and then when I go them. into this world, and they all do, yeah. yeah, yeah. And this exactly the same. Yeah, but this plant has its own economic structure, if you want to call it that. The own own way that all the cells within it exchange value or exchange nutrients with each other. And this one has another way of how it works and exchanges nutrients. And those two are totally separate and individual and optimized for that particular plant. You know, this one like really goes in and it like works in high nitrogen soil and has worked out how to do this. And this one like really doesn't do well in nitrogen soil it much prefers a different soil so you you land up with these each plant optimizing how its internal mechanisms work to adapt to its external environment
0: yeah which is the same as two two different projects we're talking about
1: yeah exactly the same as two different projects because you could take another group of people and they could create try create exactly what our little group's creating they could take all the code that we develop, everything that we do, and they could exactly duplicate it and they could change the tokenomics to be adapted to a slightly different environment. Right. Okay. So we don't have that same thing in the old world where it's all patented and you, it's mostly open source. Most of these projects are open source. So yeah. anybody can look at the code. Anyone can copy the code. Anyone can take the code all part any of it and use it in their own projects. Um, So, not only are you adaptive within our two, but you're adaptive within other plants that are very similar to the one that I'm involved in, but are doing something slightly different. And if that model of the way they feed economics around is more suited, they will win, right? So, if, let's say, we create this little project, and I try to extract most of the wealth from it, which is the way the traditional systems like Facebook, Google, work. you've got a few people that extract all the wealth.
0: Right.
1: Um, at the expense of all the users, all the projects, all the investors, I was taking more wealth out of it than my contribution. Right. Somebody could take everything that I've done, create a competitor, and reduce the amount that they extract. And then the investors... And the projects would go to them, yeah, because they would get more, a bigger fair share. And I would either then, the project I'm involved in would either lose its value, and I would lose my wealth Mm -hmm. extraction capability, or I would have to adopt and adapt and adapt my tokenomics so that I didn't extract more wealth than what I was contributing. Because if I if I'm if I'm extracting only what I contribute, and I have a huge contribution. The, and somebody copies what I've done, and they try to do this. They will lose. If if my, if I'm extracting slightly less value than what I contribute, right? Right. But
0: because why don't you extract um, less value than what you're contributing.
1: Well, you you always want to be. You always want to have a little bit more. You always want to have a little bit excess on the contribution side than the value extraction side, because that. I mean, that's like. If you try if you try to make them equal it's like as you earn money you spend it yeah you always want just a little bit of like buffer you know make sure that you you earn money you save a little bit and you spend the rest yeah because that gives you buffer against hardship it gives you buffer against hey what if i have three months where i don't really contribute much um like yeah so they rather build a little bit of buffer in the contribution yeah. now so that we can go through a few months where I get distracted, or get ill, or whatever happens, and the ecosystem is still healthy.
0: Yeah, but if you're extracting less from the um, than what you are contributing, then it's the opposite of that. Then you are contributing, and you're contributing yep. more, and you're not. So the rest, so so um, the the amount that you're contributing, some of the um, the gain of that is going to others.
1: To to the other people in the ecosystem, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and Which, by doing uh, that, it allows the whole to 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 hold everything up.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's like that the mother plant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, the mother plant that feeds off. I mean, you even I mean they're showing now with trees that like, you know, a tree will preferentially send nutrients out to its young. Yeah. Other than it'll also send to all the other plants around it, but it actually somehow can identify the saplings. That come from it, and it can send nutrients to them. Yes. Yeah. So it's in a way extracting less value than what it's contributing back, because the healthy ecosystem allows it eventually to survive better if the ecosystem is healthy. If you extract more than what you contribute, the ecosystem becomes unhealthy. Yes. I mean, I would argue that that's happening in Facebook today. But it's just my. That's for me anyway. Like it feels like. Facebook and the advertisers are extracting more value than the users. And like
0: that.
1: <laughs> so I'm kind of out of Facebook because I don't like feeling like my value is being extracted excessively. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know there are millions and millions of people that are still on Facebook and great. But for me, it just got to the point where I no one no longer wanted to be with it. Mm. So I just stepped out. Um,
0: yeah. And more and more people. Are but doing you're. Like that. And
1: talking about, I suspect it. so. Yeah. yeah, so you wouldn't have that type of system be able to happen because, like, if you take something like Polkadot, you not only Pol- do you have so, in a, yeah, Polkadot being all so yeah, so Polkadot would be like the entire ecosystem, yeah, it would be the field within which we exist. We're individual plants, it's the field within which we exist, right. it's the thing that gives us. I mean, it's so crazy that the thing that Polkadot's built on is called substrate. Yeah.
2: Beautiful.
1: It's it's the it's the thing on in which we grow. Yeah. Yeah. Um so basically we would be building our individual projects within the Polkadot system ecosystem. And the Polkadot ecosystem is really there to give us a lot of the structures that allow your coins to be exchangeable with my coins right okay and even that my developers could take our coins and that they earn and they could deposit them in an, some place and earn interest on it of some sort yeah? yeah so like replacing the banking systems the exchanges the insurance systems you could even take out insurance those would be other projects in the Polkadot ecosystem and at the moment those projects that i'm talking about those are the ones that are getting all the attention you know the things where you exchange value and the things where you can take the value that you've acquired put it somewhere and earn interest on it or take the things you have and borrow money against yes. all the things that we expect in a banking system all being built out you know that i can get insurance so i can go should like you know i put a lot of money into that contract and i'd like insurance in, you know in case that contract goes bad or, you know, that project goes bad. So all of those things are being built. That's what's happening now. So you, the project like you, your project, probably wouldn't be successful right now. Yeah. I mean, it could be. I would still do a token issue for it. But it wouldn't be in the center of what's happening now because the things that are, allow us to live in it are still are being built out at the moment. That's the exciting projects. Yeah. Now, I mean, this loops us back to your first question, which is how accessible is this to ordinary people? Yeah. I mean, if you're not prepared to start to learn, you know, about exchanges and economic systems and tokenomics and gamification, and, you know, maybe like I've learned more about economics, I thought I knew a lot, because it's been an interest of mine my entire life, but I've learned more about it in the last year than I have in the rest of my life because it's so relevant. Yeah, You know how it is when you're interested and it's relevant, the rate of learning just skyrockets. But if, if you don't, if you're not interested in disrupting the fin- current financial systems, replacing the legacy financial systems, um, creating a new system that creates a capacity to be fair because that unfairness in our, we talked about the extractive capability of Facebook or Google or central governments or banks, or all of them are based on a, a legacy fi- economic system. Yeah? Like there's a way in which we built an economic system that makes it almost impossible to create collaborative s- communities, yeah. like I was describing before, yeah. And the, or the easiest way to build a, anything in the legacy economic system is through hierarchical systems.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Which
2: and, hasn't I mean,
1: and it makes sense. Yeah. It, it hasn't worked. And it, yeah, it makes sense. Like, if you think what we were, is we lived in a big ecosystem and we were these tiny little tribes yeah. and a hierarchical. System within a tiny little tribe within a big ecosystem worked perfectly well because you had this hierarchical tribe and that hierarchical tribe and that hierarchical tribe, and they all interacted in some way sometimes peaceful, sometimes more violent, mostly actually we think of it as violence, but mostly those tribes traded with each other and exchanged value and wives and yeah you know, cetera because they needed to keep themselves genetically healthy, they needed to be exchanging genes with each other. Um,
0: genes and food and whatever. So, they were as a tribe?
1: It was mostly, yeah, food, pottery, I mean, whatever they were creating as separate tribes, they were exchanging with each other all the time. Um, but internally, they were usually hierarchical. Yeah. So, when we became bigger and became agricultural, we took how we knew how to organize people, which is hierarchical, and we made it bigger. Yeah, yeah And then When we became global, we took our hierarchical stuff and we just made it bigger. And I believe we've reached the edge of what is possible in hierarchical systems because hierarchical systems always have the person or people at the top who get most of the value flow. And once they're in that position, they don't want to lose it. I mean, that's human nature. And because now they don't want to lose it, and they have this unusual power, they can start to make laws and rules and regulations that make sure that they never lose their power at the top. Mm. And then the gap just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what we're seeing in these massive global hierarchical systems at the moment. Um, Whereas what we're talking about here is a system that fundamentally can't get to become one massive global hierarchical system yeah yeah and part of it is the beauty of the regulators
2: yeah
1: cuz mm-hmm. the regulators would love to take this stuff down mm-hmm. but if there's no central authority yeah the regulators don't know how to deal with you like how does a regulator go if if you have a company in a hierarchical system the regulators who live in a hierarchical system can use their rules to to stop you from doing what you're doing
0: absolutely and that, yeah. we see that all if, the time.
1: yeah endlessly yeah endlessly. <laughs> i mean
2: <laughs> yeah. E-
1: everybody sells out and then i mean google with all of their ethos eventually start sending our data to the american government right. because they either lose who they are like lose the entire business mm. or they give the data to the american government and we know i mean snowden stuff is years old now this is not new All the top American tech companies give all the data they've got on you to the American government for whatever purposes they want Um, because they're a hierarchical system and therefore they can be controlled by another hierarchical system. But when you're decentralised and there's nobody you can go after, Mm. like who do you go for? You can't. You can't.
0: There's two pods of things happening, so it is completely decentralised. All
1: these pods of people, yes, totally decentralised
0: yeah um and so that's quite interesting because there are some centralized and some decentralized uh cryptocurrencies or altcoins um so bitcoin is Hmm. the first and decentralized but um, i I think of ethereum as being as being more centralized
1: yeah um yeah ethereum yeah ethereum is a mixture of funny one because it's got the ethereum foundation they don't have any real absolute power to do anything on ethereum yeah but they can take ethereum and they can create a new version and most of the people will follow them but if people don't want to follow them they just the people who don't want to follow just take ethereum and they go in the direction they want to right so they 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 basically fork ethereum and that's why you get ethereum classic which was People didn't agree with the decision that that Ethereum Foundation made, and so they took the code and went in their own direction. Um, So it's kind of this war of the commons type stuff that goes on in Ethereum. Like, you people fight over their viewpoints in this, like, common ground, and eventually the Foundation make a decision, and the people who agree go with them, and the other people can fork and go somewhere else or they just get pissed off and go with them anyway. Right. Um so that but that kind of bizarre in Ethereum, I believe is one of the major problems of the theorem, is that it's very hard for them to shift. I I think probably what I feel in their project is not so much technical. It's more like that they don't like their governance structures are so poor that they and to be fair they were doing this way begone, you know like i mean they were innovating at a stage where like we didn't know this stuff Yeah, we had bitcoin where like that's a total bizarre nobody can fucking do anything in bitcoin because like nobody can ever agree long enough on anything to do anything so it just uh, it hardly changes it's it's been the same for 10 years which is i love about it bitcoin like i know it's the same it will always be the same and my money's safe there so it's a good place to put money but if you want to innovate i would never innovate in bitcoin because you can't right. like you how do you convince all the players to do anything <clears throat> so ethereum tried to do something different but they've also yes not been successful um,
0: um and and what if what if um there, there was a layer two scaling in Bitcoin. Um, do you think that it it would be able to to um, be used as a as a world currency and and do what? what I, I
1: I don't think, for me, I don't think it's an interesting problem. Like, um, I don't think that the payment to people is the most interesting problem in the crypto space. And I think that's why you're seeing very little energy in things like Lightning Network and and the scaling solutions in Bitcoin. There's not there's not a mass adoption. Nobody's really interested. Great, it's out there, but nobody's taking it up. It's not that interesting. Right. Like people, you know, seven years ago when I first got involved in the space, we thought this was the it. You're like, oh shit, we're gonna replace Visa and Mastercard, and we're gonna. But I've spent a lot of time speaking to retailers and trying to convince them to take anything else. And they like that 2% fee is not painful enough for them to move.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: So I don't think that's the interesting problem or the interesting problem trying to be solved. And I think a lot of people that went off trying to solve that problem have resulted in coins that have been unsuccessful. I mean, we see there's a plethora of them that came out, you know, two bull runs ago and even last bull run some of them i think the interesting thing is more what ethereum and polkadot and Cardano are doing which is creating new economic systems so like when we're talking about me exchanging value with you uh, in that kind of bartering economy that i was talking about there's no world currency there like we earn money in our currency and we pay you in your currency and the way that we exchange those values is, needs to be really super cheap and super transparent. At the moment in Ethereum, it's not. But in Polkadot and some of the new solutions, those, mm-hmm. those exchange points are become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Okay. So, so I'm more seeing a situation where I pay you and your coin, mm-hmm. and you pay for the things that you want by exchanging your coin with the people have the things that you want Mm. so it's kind of a bartering economy but with technology backing it versus what money has always been which is the centrally controlled one system to run them all because that was the best technology that we had yeah yeah like even like you know the US dollar is one reserve currency that every other currency in the world is really backed by the world by the, the dollar because they store dollar as their reserves that system basically really means we've got one monetary system which is a us dollar
0: right which i means don't means think that that's the, the solution the is going up yeah. <laughs> that's just now though
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: but it seems so like kind of a trend.
1: yeah yeah look i mean it's changing at the moment we're at the end of the an 80-year cycle yeah every 80 years we get a, a financial system change so, right now we're at the end of a sort of 2,600 year cycle, but we're also at the end of a, sorry, a 26,000 year cycle. We're also at the end of, of an 80 year cycle. And we're also at the end of a 2,000 year cycle. So, it's like, you know, if you imagine waves in a piece of string, like, you know, you've got this one big wave of 26,000 years, and then you've got you know, the little waves of 2,000 years in the Hindu Vedic systems, and then you've got you know, like the Kali Yukta changes and then you've got the 400 year waves and then you've got this little 80 year wave which is the transgenerational wave when the the youth of today are the fourth turning they're the generation that throw out the old system and create something new i mean so we're in in all of these ages all lined up right now yeah we're at the end of a lot of ages short and long ages
2: all at this point yeah
1: which is i mean that's just amazing it's like yeah. the energy involved and all of that is in a transformation and a change
0: yeah and so you're saying so it's yeah like something like Pol- polka dot can be that change where we can all um yeah. work out of that that system um in a, yeah. a, a, a where where we gain value for ourselves and for the whole
1: yeah i mean the way that it seems to be going for me um, is that every little organization will be running a token tokenomic model into the future right. um, yeah yeah as you know like part of what i do is coach entrepreneurs and i mean so, you know entrepreneurs some of them are running multi-billion dollar companies um you yeah, with hundreds of employees so they're not necessarily small Um, But, yeah, the, the fundamental problem that they, I mean, other than I'm mostly working on the internal nervous system stuff, but obviously we always touch into some of the other stuff and all of them are looking for how do you find ways to, the reward systems that we've tried to use in hierarchical systems mostly fail because they're mostly centrally controlled manipulations, trying to manipulate people into Working harder for the same amount to pay, yeah. um, and or you end up giving them shares, but that's also become a you know shown to be a disaster. So all of these guys are actually very open to tokenomic models. Cool. Okay, right. the yeah. problem is in the legacy world, running a tokenomic model would like running a, a business that has real physical assets in a tokenomic model would put you into uh, and i've been through this with one of my clients like yeah you know, he's got a without uh, let me just check okay i can disclose some information without disclosing names or whatever but yeah he runs a very very interesting business where he's creating spaces that where people come in and they like will rent spaces typically artists entrepreneurs etc but also live in the buildings in which these spaces are Mm -hmm. so it's like co-living co-creating spaces and he's got a a massive i mean we're not talking a a small business like multi-billion dollar business doing this incredible stuff and for him that tokenomic model where those people are all rewarded within an economic system where the tokens flow is insanely attractive yeah but when we went through and tried to speak to his lawyers about what it would take. They were like, there's no fucking way you can run that.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Like, you, know, you just start to go against so much legislation. So I don't think in like the next five years or 10 years, these big companies, but they're interested and they really would love to. And when we're looking at can he do little things that don't involve the total economic flow of his company
2: yeah.
1: that will start to play with the concepts so that as legislation changes, he's ready. But these guys are super interested in how do they apply tokenomic economic models into their internal business models? Yeah. Because they live with the same problem. Like he's a very spiritual character. I, mean, I met him at a retreat, so he's got a big spiritual calling. That's he's very much wanting to run a business where people can awaken within it, where the people living in these buildings awaken, where The client's awake and he gets most of his joy when he sees young entrepreneurs come in and come to life and blossom and their businesses grow. That's what he loves. Lovely. But he sits in a hierarchical structure that lands up with him being a boss, employees, and all the nightmares that are involved there. And he's looking for how does he do something different?
2: Mm,
1: So, So, yeah. So that being built for me eventually on Polkadot will happen but yeah, you know, we're talking now quite far out, in my opinion, say, just because of the legislative um, nightmares involved okay. in doing that.
0: So would you say that the because businesses are going to be the ones that do start this, not the startups, because it's it's an issue with legislation?
1: Um sorry, go for that question so, again.
0: So when you started talking about it, um I see the uh, part of the issue with the lawyers going, "Whoa, this doesn't make sense to a, a, an analytical mind," then I'm thinking maybe startup businesses like an independent movie would be able mm. to do that um, because I don't yeah. have too much running on starting it, starting mm. up my movie or a small yeah, business. Absolutely. Like this. Yeah, absolutely. But then would the legislation mm. stop me from doing that? Other legislation.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, their legislation would be part of it. The fact that they own a lot of buildings and they own a lot of property and they're, you know, whereas for you running a movie, less so. So you, always it's easier for startups because you can start to design the structures in a way that's supported. So you could you know, design a, a decentralized structure to create a movie. And actually within Polkadot, there's an entire, I mean, there's a big movement. There's another, there's Polkadot and there's Kasama okay okay the identical code bases. kasama is made to be a cheaper version of dot right. okay and so it's released faster it's more iterative and what they're trying to do in kasama is attract a lot of artists wow. like visual artists musical artists movie creators etc into that ecosystem right. because you guys are also working in a very virtual environment yes. very similar to software Um, So it's it's a natural next step after software is that the artists have a platform where they can co-create and create and use tokenomic models. You know, when you start to own buildings and factories, then you start to run into legal stuff. Like you need to be a company, you need to to have a hierarchical structure to make that happen. Whereas when you run a movie, you can be in a far less structured, way so for you you could move there without any legislative issues but for a guy who already owns a company that's already registered that already owns properties mm-hmm. that already has to you know, yeah. you know publish stuff go to his board and it's it's a different issue I
0: mean there's legislation yeah, so
1: startups will be the next one
0: yeah so the, I mean there's legislation in, in any business even a, a startup but maybe it,
2: yeah.
0: a, a new way of of starting these startups or a movie. Um, I mean, a movie is uh, hierarchical, but it, I see that it doesn't have to be. Um, to some, yeah, degree. yeah. Um, to to a yeah. large degree, the more awake people are, the less they need people t- to tell them what to do. Um, yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I, I, mean, you, I love that startups, and always, small, small yeah. businesses, small, small businesses can actually make absolutely this and and gain so much from it in the process.
1: I mean, the legislation's a lot more for him on the fact that he already has a business that's already registered, that already has a board, that already has shareholders, that already has, he's already deeply embedded in a current system. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas a startup can create the structures that fulfill the legislation, but don't build the legacy structures. Yeah. Yeah. So a very different world. That when you're starting something new and you can design it to to comply with the legislation but not go down a route that makes it impossible for you to change. Yeah. Whereas he's more in a route that he's already gone so far down yeah. that it's impossible for him to, not impossible, but very difficult to recreate. Yeah. It's We call it path dependency. Huh? Like the path that you took to get somewhere has a lot to do with where you get if you went down this path already it can be very hard to come here whereas if you start it's easy to find your way
2: there
0: yeah gabriel that is a lot of amazing information to think on um Mm. and i thank you that's given me that's given me personally a lot to think about um in in ways that that i might Mm. carry on and start movies in a new way and for business um it's always been a worry for me how how it is so hierarchical and uh, doesn't seem to work and and i really like this this idea of this model where you can still gain by um, by being a leader in your business or um creative Mm. industry um but allow others to gain from it as well which is very exciting is there anything else that you'd like to add before we Mm. finish up
2: I mean,
1: yeah, just just on your. I mean, the last thing you said, it's really, for me, it's moving from the hierarchical structure to a relational structure. Yeah, so you're far more, we're far more in this relational, like leadership becomes more of a relational thing, because people come join my team, you know, because this they're getting there's a relation, there's relationships. There's way of them being rewarded there, but it's not because they're being employed by me as a the boss. They're there of their own free will. They're there because they want to be, and they're there, and then we come into relation with each other in that way. Yeah. Okay, and maybe the things that the information that I, that comes from my experience has value, but it doesn't. It doesn't make me the boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's still we're in relation with each other. And they bring a different value, and those values are rewarded. And maybe I get a little bit more reward because the historical background brings a bit more value. But this guy could also come in and very soon start to add the type of value that he also extracts a lot of money or gets a, a lot of reward. So you're really moving from these hierarchical masculine structures into the relational feminine structures. And, you know, that's for me if you look at the cycles that we're moving from a very masculine era to a very feminine era the having technology that is actually at its core relational instead of hierarchical um, and supports the relational structures for me is a like, mind-blowing Um and that's the biggest impact going forward is that we're actually building structures that support the transition we're going through as humanity instead of all the options that I've been looking at for the last 30 years was really that we were probably going to have a total washout and destruction of everything that existed and a rebuild of everything new. Yeah. Like I couldn't see for many years any other way than the total destruction and crumbling and a total building of new because the planet's awakening in the same way that a human awakens, yeah? yeah. Yeah. If we resist those old structures for long enough, eventually it becomes, I mean, you, everyone I know who's awakened, the longer you resist and the more you resist, the more catastrophic the awakening becomes and is, awesome. um, Yeah, myself being in point. And <laughs> um, whereas if you can actually find a way to embrace the new, and start to orientate yourself to the new in the last like year or two really started to meet a lot of people who have gone through the awakening process in a very gentle way it hasn't been that destruction of everything that they were to create something new it's been more of a gentle awakening because they've just slowly reoriented themselves to the new possibility and i really believe that polka dot well i mean the whole space but Polkadot, for me, is the, the one that has the most potential to do it, mm. is providing that framework or that substrate, the field in which we can transition humanity from this kind of disaster that we're headed for. I mean, yeah. it does. you and I know, I mean, probably anyone watching your program knows we don't have to preach that, but we have that inner sense that the current journey we're on is an ecological and financial disaster. And yet we've had no real way of knowing how to turn that ship around. Like we've known we had to, we've been trying to imagine. I mean, I've been living in community, I've done all of that, trying to imagine how this new possibility would be and never really being able to imagine it, like truly. Whereas now is the first time in all of that time that I'm able to sense in my being, the new possibility and how it's working. And how the money is moving out of the legacy systems into these new systems, I mean we just saw Tesla put his entire put one point five billion into bitcoin I mean yeah he's not the first, but you're seeing how the money is moving out of those the legacy economic system into these decentralized um systems, and every as that money moves. It feeds the new system. It allows us to grow faster. It allows us to grow better, quicker. And it reduces the war between the new and the old. And, like, actually, it's a slow movement, Mm. which I think is healthy. And we can't move too fast either. This new thing is not ready for the entire legacy world to move onto it yet. So we don't want them moving any faster than they are across yeah. Um, but it, for me, gives us that gateway where, where we can build this new economic system that is fundamentally fair, fundamentally relational, mm. um, and fundamentally friendly. You know, when you're not fighting to extract value, but instead you're getting value from your contribution mm. and it's fair, Yeah, I can't say for sure it'll happen. But for me, it gets away from that extractive mindset Mm. where you're just trying to accumulate as much money as you can because you can sense there's an economic disaster coming and you're trying to protect yourself from it Mm. to you're involved in something that's sustainable and can last for a long time and it feels different to me and like being involved in something that i can feel has the capacity to be here in 10 years 15 years 20 years and sustain and grow and mature and also serve everybody and then i can be involved i mean we come from south africa so i know what it was like when the apartheid era was coming to the end i mean it was probably a little bit before your time but i i was there during that period you know, and we knew it was gonna crash we knew it wasn't gonna last and everybody just went in. How do you steal as much value out of the old system to keep as your own? And, you know, I mean, we saw the government officials doing it. We saw private individuals doing it. Like everything possible to extract and hold as much value so that when this thing collapses, you're got it. You're okay. Well, yeah. But when the system looks sustainable and it looks like it's going to be around for the foreseeable future that need disappears suddenly i mean this i can only talk my own journey and the few people i've interacted with but it changed from getting into crypto to make a lot of money so that i could be even more well in this collapse to more and more and more trying to find out how do i contribute to this as much as i can because this is so important so I've noticed in myself a move from getting into crypto to make as much money as I can yeah. quickly and use all my yeah. skills to do that.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, to contribute as much as I can, and actually, yeah. In reality, the more I contribute, the the more money I probably will be able to earn. But the internal change to the hope that we can actually come through this as a species, the importance of this. For us as a species, you know, the w- alignment between this and everything I've been into my whole life, you know, is so aligned that I actually just want to contribute as much as I can. And, you know, Michael Saylor's been there. And, and obviously I, I get rewarded because I own a lot of DOT. Yeah. I own, a, I own a, even a little bit of Ethereum still. I own a lot of Kusama. So if it is successful, I also get rewarded. But it's also something else. It's like, how do I it's so important for humanity that I want to contribute and I'm gonna get rewarded, which is a bonus. Yeah. And I mean Michael Saylor expresses it so beautifully. He, he talked about he started off, he understood Bitcoin. Yes. And his next question was, how do I get as much of this as possible? And then he went through a process of working out how to get as much as possible, issue debt. In his company to buy bitcoin issue more shares to buy bitcoin like you know buy billions of dollars of bitcoin because he also bought it through his company and his personal capacity um so and then he he his next step was once he had gone through that is like how do i contribute to this space and bring what myself and my organization uniquely have to this space because it's so important so it seems a natural evolution of like, how do I make as much money as I can? Shit, this thing's crazy. How do I get as much of it as I can? Yeah. Oh, wow. This thing could actually, he, uh, it was when he called Bitcoin hope, he said Bitcoin is hope. Mm-hmm. When he reached that point, the transition happened in him where it was like, wow, how do I contribute as much as I can?
2: Yeah.
1: And that, you know, for me, when I see person after person, go through that transformation and then i'm filled with even more hope that this really is something that as we understand it it changes our internal chemistry and our internal orientation in the world to be more contributors and less extractors
0: yeah thank you so much um such a beautiful message to end off with thank you so much gabriel
2: um yeah thank you wow
1: yeah (laughs) beautiful chatting to you again
0: i hope you enjoyed the nixie pod podcast please do subscribe